Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. Welcome aboard, everybody. Robert alongside co-host Stephen Kerr and hopping on the coal train tonight is RG, the OG, RG Seal, the HST original and current correspondent. And guys, Garrett Cole, you know, not the best stuff, but he just keeps doing it. Just unbelievable. You know you're living right when Garrett Cole isn't as sharp as he usually is. He walks five batters in seven innings, and the Yankees strand a bunch of runners, but they don't score off him. I mean, they get the homer late, but he was out by then. And, you know, guys, the Astros haven't lost a Garrett Cole start since July 12th. That was 17 starts ago. The the train just keeps rolling. Yeah, I mean, it was just another uh, unbelievable game for Garrett Cole. Even when he doesn't have his best stuff, he somehow guts out a win. Uh, like you were saying, Stephen, uh, he had five walks. And I, I saw his post-game interview, and immediately he said that, you know, I had five walks a day. That's unacceptable. I mean, that's where greatness, that, that's what the Justin Verlanders, the Garrett Coles, they still find ways to criticize their performances. And I guarantee you he's going to go back and say, how can I do better the next time? Because remember, he had a postseason start earlier this year where he had 12 Ks and zero bases on balls. And that was only the third time it's happened in history because, oh, guess what? Steven Strasburg uh, just did it yesterday. And and the other time was, uh, I believe, Bob Gibson or somebody, uh, you know, historically having done that. Um, but that's just the kind of perfectionist that he is. That's greatness. And that's the kind of season that he's having. And the Astros, to get a game in the Bronx and make this series two to one, guarantees that they come back to Houston, at least, with a chance to win those games. They can close it out, of course, in New York, but at least gives them the opportunity to come back, even if they lose the next two with Verlander and Cole in games six and seven. And, and, you know, some of that mentality that Garrett Cole has, he has picked up from Justin Verlander because that's exactly the way Justin Verlander operates. Garrett Cole's been watching him pretty much since he came to the Astros and has learned a lot of those habits and that discipline, that mentality, that never satisfied type of thing that uh, Justin Verlander has. So, yeah, you know he's going to come back and do even better. And th- this was a big win also because, you know, now, you know, if anybody else goes out there and doesn't have their best stuff, you know, the Yankees are probably, they've got a stacked lineup. The Astros have held them down the last couple games. You know they're going to get it going sooner or later. So the fact that the Astros have that 2-1 to lead puts them in a really good position right well, now. Well, conversely, maybe ask, uh, you, uh, uh, that's true, Stephen, but maybe ask Robbie this. Do you think the Astros lineup, you were talking about the Yankees lineup's uh, ready to break out. What about the Astros lineup? I mean, still, you had the home run by Jose Altuve, uh, you, and you had, of course, had uh, another home run from Josh Reddick, and they had, the, but this, still, this offense has not really had one of those breakout performances throughout the postseason. Uh, so don't you think, Robbie, that it's about time this offense got going? It felt like a breakout. They scored four runs in nine innings. Wow. They had three runs in their previous, what, uh, 20 innings in the, in the uh, yeah. ALCS? Yeah, hey, well, that's better than St. Louis in the National League, right, so far through the – so, yeah, I guess that <laughs> – St. Louis scores 10 runs in game five, first inning against the Braves, and then they can't buy a run. But that's another series uh, for another day. Yeah, I mean, the Cardinals series, yeah, I was debating this with uh, a couple of my friends. And I said, what's been more disappointing? This was after game two of the Astros and game three of the Cardinals. The Astros offense or the Cardinals offense. And, you know, they're trying to argue the Cardinals offense because two runs in three games sounds terrible. But 
you look at their lineup and the Cardinals lineup, it's, it's not the Astros lineup. The Astros have a guy that's won an MVP, another guy that might win the MVP this year, but will finish in the top three the last two years. You have rookie of the year that's gone ice cold. You know, he's in the freezer right now, 27 home runs. Uh, he's giving you nothing. And, and of course, you got a couple of all-stars, Correa and uh, Brantley. And, you know, Brantley's was in the batting champ talk most of the year. I mean, you're making my point. That's why they're due. <laughs> so maybe both lineups. I mean, it's like a it's like a pressure cooker. You know, what's what's, what's it going to go off here? So, yeah, Altuve, though, no complaints about him. 40 no career complaints. postseason games. He hit his 12th career postseason home run in game three. Here are the only players with more home runs in their first 40 postseason games, first career postseason games. Nelson Cruz, okay, whatever. Carlos Beltran, oh, you got my attention now. Babe Ruth, yeah, and Mickey Mantle. So those are the four guys in the conversation. Not only Jose Altuve, guys, not only does he do it uh, with the home run, but just Altuve just makes plays. He's in the middle of everything. He's making smart plays and uh, give Springer a, a hell of an assist because what a huge play on the ground at a first by Brantley. Springer gets in that rundown. Springer, Altuve, and Brantley's base running on one play basically helps get them two runs thanks to the wild pitch and then Yuli Sack fly. Even getting caught in a rundown was a smart move because it, it put runners in both two runners in scoring position, allowed the wild pitch and the sack fly. So even when something looked like it was going to go wrong, Springer turned it into something good and it led to, to the last two runs. Well, you know, Altuve is cementing his Hall of Fame resume. And even if he were to retire tomorrow, this guy's already got the postseason home run career record for second baseman with 12. Uh, you know, he's still building on that postseason resume as we speak. I mean, he's been incredible. He's already been a former MVP. Uh, I mean, I know it's it's early to talk about that, but uh, I mean, this is Jose Altuve. We were witnessing greatness. He's he's one of the Astros, all, you know, all time greats already. And yeah, like you said, the, that that was a key play because when uh, you know they they had the rundown there and they're able to get in scoring position, still keep it there with them in on second and third, and and uh, put Bregman on first with a base loaded situation for the Yuli Gurriel uh, sack fly. I mean, that just gave some more breathing room because nobody ever sits comfortably in the Bronx Zoo. They know when uh, you know the Yankees, especially with the way we've seen Yankee comeback wins and their offense, nobody's comfortable with a one or two run lead, just being able to get those extra runs. Cause Oh, Oh yeah. Glaber Torres comes in, hits the home run off of Joe Smith. And then all of a sudden, you know, a three run game. It, I know Will Smith came in there. Uh, excuse me, Will Smith. I'm still got the whole Gir Joe Girardi thing happening. Or maybe I'm <laughs> you're, you're not the Will only Smith one that does the, that. So. <laughs> Will Smith with the new movie out. Uh, anyway, uh, no, I was just uh Will Harris comes in and then, you know, it's three-run lead with Roberto Asuna coming in. I know, Robbie, you, you're always really comfortable with that. Just no problem yet, that easy Osuna and three-run lead. <laughs> well, I, I actually, I, I'm starting to have no problem with Osuna in this series because against the Yankees in his career, Stephen and I, we talked about this a few games ago in our preview. Osuna against the Yankees, against this group of Yankees, not just any group of Yankees, but against these batters, He's under 400 is his OPS. And if you looked at the lineup that he faced to finish off the ball game in this game, he was 0 for 7. They were 0 for 7 against him. Aaron Judge would have been the guy on deck. Aaron Judge in his career against Osuna, 0 for 9. 
So maybe I shouldn't be that all should be concerned about Osuna. I'm, I've got my fingers crossed behind my back as I'm saying that. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you tweeted that out, Robert. I think I looked just before the end began. I saw your tweet about that. So, uh, yep. Heads up. And uh, he got them all like one, two, three. And it, and it was quick. He didn't he didn't go deep into a lot of counts. He didn't get a runner or two on base. I mean, he he really brought it and uh, got those three outs really quick. And I'll tell you what, the the Altuve homer. Talk about putting the Yankees crowd out of business early. I mean, the crowd really wasn't into it. They, they kind of got into it when Cole started to struggle and then, you know, after their the home run. But really, from top to bottom, from, from the beginning of the end of the game, the crowd really wasn't in it that much as much as they probably would have been if the Yankees had been closer. Yeah, that's true. And I, I want to make a Oh, I, I just want to add to about the Roberto Asuna. I I think you're right too, as far as like his his performance. Remember, he had that game where he was complaining about. He came in, got the the big out, and then he came back in and uh, you know had the the problems after that. And people were already saying, and Will uh, Will Harris had to come in and relieve him. I mean, since then, Roberto Asuna he talked about you know I want to throw you know more fastballs. I was relying too much on the slider, correct? So that he's come in, he's and. You know, of course, he closed out the series against Tampa Bay and then has had two, like you said, really good performances against the Yankees. And he really pitched well in September, too, after we were really critical about him in July or August. So I just want to make make sure that we kind of just, you know, may, yeah, I think that because this is going to be huge because the Astros have to have guys if they're going to win a World Series that they can rely on at the end of games. Will Harris, maybe Josh James. I know Joe Smith gave up the home run today, but he, he's really had a, uh, and you guys have talked about that, had a good a good postseason record as far as uh, how, how he pitches in the postseason and then Osuna closing games. Yeah, I'm wondering also, guys, if, if we're watching a different game than we watched during the regular season because it seemed like every time there was a deep fly ball in the postseason before the ball got midway through the outfield, the fireworks would go off. Guys were bat flipping. Uh, they were blowing the kiss to the wives. I mean, it, it, the baseball. I mean, come on. Are we, are we seeing a different baseball? I, I certainly think so. Because there there were several balls in this series, just in the first three games, that really should have been home runs. And, you know, I, I guess MLB just likes the fact, all right, let's tease everybody during the regular season, you know, and let's hit all these home runs. Of course, you know, a lot of that was against less than good teams. I know that's that's some of it. You know, when you get in the postseason, most of your pitching is going to be elite. But yeah, the way the ball's been carrying, when it when they've been tattooed, it just it it definitely makes you wonder that they've got to have some different baseballs just for the postseason. Is it still PC to say uh, chicks dig the long ball? I mean, that was what it was during the regular season. So uh, <laughs> good, you know, good I, one, RG. Yeah, I mean, but. Yeah, in the postseason, it's definitely been different. But yeah, look, you do face better pitching in the postseason. But there were a couple of those ones. I mean, talk about that went to the warning track. I mean, I, I'm sure we all had our hearts in our mouth, right? When uh, basically Didi Gregorius, it looked like out the bat, you know, I hit it high, warning track. And then another one, uh, you know, Martin Maldonado looked like he connected and that was going to go out and it just kind of died on the warning track. I mean, basically, I haven't seen too many of those warning track flyouts in baseball this year. So there's probably, you know, something Justin Verlander mentioned it earlier in the season uh, about uh, about the ball. And, and, and we'll see kind of like what the numbers will be next year. But I mean, they were just historic home run numbers. And, uh, yeah, that's just been something to watch in the postseason. But better pitching, colder weather, that can also, you know, decrease the run production. Springer, four for 32 in the postseason. We're not seeing Mr. October for the Astros this postseason. But like I said, that that great play where 
you know, he gets Altuve and Brantley into scoring position and ends up in two runs. He, he's doing things to help you out and stuff like that. But Jordan Alvarez, according to my quick calculation, he has one home run in his last 66 at-bats. It, it might actually be more than that. But just going back to a certain number of games, I calculated that he's not seeing the baseball. He's swinging at bad pitches, not uh, swinging at good pitches, not squaring up baseballs. I mean, there are a lot of concerns here. He got moved down a spot in the lineup. Uh, you know, Hinch is usually pretty patient, but is, is his patience going to run out? Are we going to start seeing Jordan fall further and further down in the lineup, or do they want to keep the righty-lefty thing going? Well, and you know, that that would come into play if the Astros reach the World Series, and once they go to the National League ballpark, and you're not going to have the DH, if he's still struggling, he certainly may sit down by then. But I, I did like the fact that A.J. Hinch put Altuve back in his number two spot in the lineup, moved Brantley down, moved Alvarez down a bit. I, I really like to see Springer, if, if he could just get going, and then Altuve in the number two hole, then I think that's another thing that will jumpstart the offense even more. Sometimes we have to forget we, we forget just because he's going to be the rookie of the year and he's just been absolutely incredible since he's come up to the Astros that yeah he hadn't had a slump all season through the minors and and uh, the major leagues he basically just been crushing the ball having a, a great season kind of tailed off a little bit the last couple of weeks of the season with his first real mini slump and then again you're in the postseason you're under the bright lights you're you're facing tough pitchers and pitchers are keyed in every single pitch it's not like you're facing i'm sorry to say i don't want to mean but a, a seattle mariners team and you know or a detroit tigers team in august or september that's basically already mailed in the season i mean every pitch counts and matters and just conversely i mean somebody on the yankees that the astros of course need to watch out for is that glaber torres he's 22 years old we forget i mean jordan alvarez is 20 uh, you know, and again, these are young guys, but this, but Glaber Torres is one of the rare guys and, and making none of it on the telecast. John Smolzer is, I mean, just his plate discipline. And that's what we saw all season from Jordan Alvarez. We saw the plate discipline. He laid off pitches. He, he didn't fall for the, the, the tailing slider outside. He worked hitters counts. He was able to drive the ball. He's not being able, he's not locked in. Con conversely, I mean, Glaber Torres, 417 average, 1449 uh, OPS. Guess what? He gets the only Yankees run today. He hits the home run. To me, that's the guy. You're king in the lineup now. Don't let this guy beat you. You know, find a way. Pitch around him. If the runner's on base, you know, don't give him anything near the plate to hit. Uh, you know, situational kind of pitching here. But that's the guy that you have to 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 really focus on the Yankees like Ryan right now because he's historically gifted already a, as a hitter. And, you know, he's also just uh, on a hot streak. So I don't know what you guys think about that, but that's the one guy in the lineup right now that uh, I'm keying before the game even starts. I was going through the stats. Jordan's last home run was in that last series in Anaheim that they played. Were, were you at that game, Archie? I remember you were at one of those games in Anaheim, right? I was. It was the uh, I was there for the Justin Verlander start. I can't even remember. I mean, the Astros ended up winning that game. Because if you were there for the home run, we, we're going to have to send you to Yankee Stadium. So pack your yeah. bags. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> yeah. I'm ready to go. You're ready to go, Archie. Over there. <laughs> is, is wearing Astros colors in Yankee Stadium? Let me ask you guys. Would that be like wearing, you know, uh, your 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 team's colors at the Oakland Raiders game? Uh, would it be something like that? You know. Instead of the silver and black, instead of the navy blue, pinstripes and white. 
I don't know if it's the same rough crowd. I mean, isn't Yankee Stadium? Isn't the, aren't the fans a little bit more highfalutin that they they they're at the new stadium? The ticket prices went up. Yeah, it's still the Bronx, though. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, no, I, I don't think it's a good idea to to go there necessarily. I, but I we saw a lot of Astros. We saw some Astros gear out there. So. Astro fans travel now. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Um, you know, Hinch uh, has said Wednesday would be a staff game. So don't know if they start with their Keedy or they use an opener. As we're talking, he hasn't uh, announced that. But that's, of course, if there's a game on Wednesday, my forecast for the Bronx, you know, I'm a part-time weather guy for the Bronx, New York. It's a 100% chance of rain on Wednesday night. And this is where it gets interesting. Guys, do you go with the common wisdom that this helps the Astros because of their strong starting pitching? I certainly do. You know, I I think it, 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 I know it stretches out the rest for the pitchers for both teams, but it it does give the Astros some options. I mean, you could still pitch a bullpen game if they have to stretch it to Thursday, or you could start Urquidy, or you could, you know, it, it does give you a number of options. The thing that I want, though, is if the Yankees do come back and there is a game six or a game seven, you want Verlander and Cole to pitch one or both of those games if they're necessary. I mean, look, the Astros have house money now. Uh, this is this is something they got to win in New York. I mean, now it's New York has the pressure. I mean, if they get another one uh, up 3-2, maybe they can even close it out. Like that happened last year with the Red Sox. They came into Houston and they won three in a row. And everybody was just shocked and blindsided after winning the first game and then losing four in a row. It looked like the Astros were returning the World Series. So, you know, you don't ever want to give away games. And it'll be interesting to see because I do think the rain will have an effect. But it's now that they've won this game with Garrett Cole, they are going to start. They can either start. You know, I would I would think they start Arquiti the next game regardless now, because essentially, even if he loses, the series is 2-2. You'd rather put the ball, even though I know you guys aren't fans of Zach Greinke and a lot of people listening probably are frustrated with him. Look, the guy is a veteran pitcher. You want to have a chance in a deciding three to two game to, for him to go out there. He's had he'll have had you know plenty of rest. He's a guy that you traded for. You're expecting him to contribute to help with a World Series team. So he pitches even if the Astros lose. Now you know you have those two guys waiting back at home in Houston. That's the same scenario in 2017. They came back, had to win two games. So again, the Astros, by winning the day, put everything in the driver's seat. And there's more pressure on the Yankees right now for an additional reason. If there is the rain out tomorrow, they're a bullpen team. They're going to have to, they could start Tanaka on, on uh, Thursday uh, on full rest. And that's fine, but they're going to, you know, Tanaka, they, they maybe need him to go six or seven innings. Maybe he doesn't have it like he did the first game. Maybe he gets knocked out early. Then they have to go to their bullpen. Then you're looking at like starting, who do you start for? Uh, they have to have a bullpen game because they, uh, you know, or they, I guess they can go to Paxton, but they're going to have to fit in maybe somebody like a, like a happen there at some point because they can't go back to Severino until a possible game seven. So they have to figure out which game they want to do as a bullpen game and, and put in a bunch of relievers. And by putting in a bunch of relievers on consecutive days, again, this is going to be Thursday, Friday, if there is a rain out, Thursday, Friday. Then you also know Saturday and Sunday, you're back at Minute Maid Park. You're going to be facing Verlander and Cole. It's going to be potentially, you know, must win what you have to do there. You you might have to have your bullpen for all those games back to back to back. I know the Yankees have a lot of tremendous relievers. But, you know, when you start getting up to where you're pitching back-to-back-to-back days, we saw this in the Dodgers World Series a couple of years ago with their great relievers when Brandon Morrow finally faltered, when Kenley Jansen finally faltered. 
it takes an effect if you can't get the starting pitching. Yeah, I'm gonna let me go back to my original question, guys, uh, and and I'm just gonna answer it myself. I, when I said the common wisdom that this would help the Astros because of their strong starting pitching, I mean that's what a lot of people think because the Astros have all this starting pitching. It's four days compressed of Yankees that go bullpen heavy and four days in a row of of pitching, you know, a bullpen heavy team. That's gonna be. You know, I agree with everybody. I, number one, I think that's an issue. Now, here, here's the way I, I think I could see it playing out. So on on Thursday, uh, I could definitely see them going to Zach Granke uh, if there is a rain out on Wednesday. Uh, Granke would have, you know, his full rest basically on Thursday. And then you could go to Verlander on Friday. Garrett Cole would be on three days rest if there was a game six. So I would prefer maybe that Verlander pitch that game five with a chance to put you up three to two and let him take the pressure of Yankee stadium, which wouldn't, you know, which wouldn't deter him at all. And then if you've somewhere in there, if you've got to do that bullpen game, which I think you're going to have to do at some point, unless you, unless you want to pitch Cole on three days rest, then you pitch maybe the bullpen game or key or whatever in that game six. That's if there's a rain delay. Can, can I respond to that? Because no way. Okay, let me just get that out of the, the, the way first. Uh, I, I just don't see that scenario happening at all. First, I mean, again, you you know, even again, the Astros got a win out here. They're not going to they know that they have two loaded bullets that can go on full rest back at Minute Bay Park with home fans where, you know, with Justin Verlander, if you're if you're back there, it, what happens if they lose that game five that you just laid out there? There's no, you know, Justin Verlander coming back the way the ball flies out of the stadium. He's given a lot of home runs this year. Don't forget that they got to him for a few runs his last couple of starts. You know, they have more, a little bit more confidence against Verlander, but back at home with an extra day's rest, being able to have this, knowing that you can go to him like he did before. He's done this before. He, he had a game six, again, just two years ago, where it came back, put the, put it on me at home, where you have the last at bat, too. You just don't want to, you, you, you just want to have that kind of security coming back home with Verlander and Cole. And then again, you know, you, you, you here with Urkity and, you know, you have Brad Peacock, you know, in the bullpen now. You have, uh, you know, guys that you can use. And then you have Zach Greinke. That, that one thing that Zach Greinke's been able to do over his career, and he pitched over 200 innings again this year. And even the other day, he gave you six innings. If he can give you five or six or seven innings, keep you in the game, give you a chance to win, that, that's all you need. Because, again, the pressure is going to be on the Yankees here. They have to win the next two because they're already thinking in their mind, well, geez, we have to beat Verlander and Cole back in Houston. You don't give them the excuse. Oh, I, I'm, you know, this isn't where a five game series and stuff where it's over in five and Verlander has a pitch. This is game six and seven in Houston. Well, and you consider after what happened with Verlander coming back on three days rest. If, if I'm A.J. Hinch, I want to avoid doing that to Cole as much as possible. Exactly. Yeah, no, I, I, that was my point. I said, no, you, you're going to pitch Cole no matter what in game seven. My, my point was, you know, you, you might have the option of pitching Verlander in game five or game six, and it might just depend, you know, say, for instance, the, the Astros win that next game and they're up three to one. Yeah, of course you would hold Verlander back for game six, but if the if it's 2-2 two, two and you have the chance to go down 3-2, but you could pitch Verlander at Yankee Stadium with all that pressure, no. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I just think because if if they now I, I would have agreed with you if Cole, they lost the game today with Cole, 
And then they they lost the next game, and there was a rain out, and they lost it. They're down three to one, and you don't want to hand the ball to Zach Granke with your whole season on the line. Yeah, but but this that's case, when you do you it. No, now you have the win. That's why today was so important. This game three, and it's crucial in the series. It's because you know now you can pitch on full rest, Justin Verlander in game six. And and uh, Garrett Cole in Game Seven, you'll be at home. You get the last at bat. You have cheering fans. So hey, you want to win as many as possible. Again, the Red Sox did this last year. If you can close it out in the Bronx and sweep them and shock the world by going up there and oh, every no Astros can't win up in New York. No, but they never win at Yankee Stadium. Well, they just did. So now the pressure's on the Yankees. Take whatever you can get. Come back with a three-two lead or clinch it out, whatever. But I'm just saying they know they have those loaded bullets for Game Six and Seven. Well, you know, I, I was going to say one thing about Tanaka that uh, I saw earlier, that if a rainout did occur and if the Yankees did decide to start Tanaka on four days rest, that could actually be a benefit for the Astros because he has a 518 ERA, 841 opponents OPS on four days rest. So that's something to consider, too. And the Yankees, if, if they decide to start him on four days rather than a five-day rest period— that might play into the Astros' hands. You never know. That's a good point, Stephen, because, yeah, he is better with extra rest. And, yeah, that, that might be something. Believe me, they have those numbers. They know that. And and the thing is, is that they know they have to use, a again, they know they have to use a bullpen day because they they have to, you know, there's Severino coming back, and they can use Paxton. Uh, but if they push uh, if they push it back a day with Paxton, with uh, Tanaka, and, and Severino, if you're pitching on all these consecutive days, and probably the best day to still do a bullpen day is this upcoming Thursday. And their their bullpen will have gotten a day off, so they'll have fresher arms. They can do it the way that Tampa Bay did it. It's a bullpen day. We're pitching 2-2-2, two, 1-1-1 two, two, one, one, one here, whatever we want to do. And then have it knowing Tanaka can go on the extra day's rest uh, and you know have Paxton on Saturday again, match up with Berlander, I assume, and then Sunday again with Severino and uh, – you know, if there is a game seven and Cole, but uh, uh, yeah, again, this gives the Astros at least the flexibility to know those games six and seven are in Houston, but it makes it a lot more interesting if now with this potential rain out, because again, I think that the longer this series goes, of course, uh, you know, if you have these consecutive days, if they're going to the same bullpen arms, um, then it can be, you know, kind of uh, tre- more treacherous for the Yankees, even though they have a great bullpen. And uh, I want to ask you guys too about like, you know, it surprised me a little bit with Aaron Boone and, and bringing in Ottavino. He's had some struggles in the postseason here, and he was one of their best relievers. He was a guy they were counting on. Uh, came in back in for, for George Springer again today and, uh, of course, you know, gives up the first two two runners again, kind of where, where the last game he gave it the home run. But what do you guys think of their bullpen arms and who maybe you would want to see out there at this point right now and who gives you the most fear? Well, the Yankees fans were sure thrilled when Nottavito came in. I think they booed him as soon as he came into the game. So you know That's how that Yankees goes. <laughs> That's Yankees fans for you. Yeah, he he's one. And, and of course, you know, we could always put the former Astro, uh, Jay Hat back in there. I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah, right now the guy, like seeing Chad Green come into the games, he's really been pitching well. He has that, that, that four-seamer that he's just been able to kind of like stifle the Astros there so far. 
again, he's a guy that if there's a rain out tomorrow, then he can start and give him maybe some multiple innings in the next game. He's just been really good. And, uh, Tommy Conley, another one that's been really good, um, you know, and, and you've had, uh, you know, you still have all those Chapman, Zach Britton back there. So, I mean, you have all these guys again, that that's why, but I think if you kind of stack it up in the Astros bats, the Astros bats, I just feel like they're, they're going to have to start get going here because they, again, I just haven't seen one game where they've really had that, just total monstrous, uh, you know, Astros offensive output. And again, they've been facing great pitching, but maybe with these consecutive games here, maybe having being relaxed, being up two one and knowing, you know, that the pressure's on the Yankees now, maybe that can kind of get the, the offense to, 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 to break out. Cause they're going to have to score for, for Granke and Urquidy. Yeah. I was just going to say, I think it's especially important if you're going to go with a Granke or, you know, Urquidy or a bullpen game or something, the Astros bats are going to have to keep up with that. Because you know that the Yankees bats probably aren't going to stay dead for too long either. So it it is going to be interesting to see which one of these offenses really busts out first when they have to. Yeah, the big stat is I think the Astros in the three games so far, which is whatever, 29 innings or something like that, they have one hit with runners in scoring position. The last I checked, and I don't remember one in this game, their four runs were scored without a runner in scoring position, the two home runs, the wild pitch, the sacrifice fly. To me, that's just where the Astros, yeah, you mentioned this, Rob. Remember before when we had Greg Lucas on uh, or the, on the show and we were doing the preview about the, the Astros, the one thing concerned hitting with runners in scoring position throughout the season and left on base, even with their historic offense. But the thing is, the Astros do so many little things well. You mentioned it with a sacrifice fly. You mentioned it with the base running, with the fielding. I mean, that's why they're a complete team. They just even if you even if they aren't hitting, even if they are failing to to capitalize on some of these things, they don't like give extra outs. They don't hurt themselves on the base pass. They don't make these errors and mental mistakes. And that's what championship teams do. So they they capitalize, you know, in other ways and they have really, you know, a, a great all around team, which is why, again, they're a, a World Series contender here. Yeah, no question about it. No question about it. I mean, it, you know, one of the things we've been doing is a lot of Astros stuff because of the post game. But I do have a couple of uh, quick other Houston notes before we close things out. And and they're big. Uh, a, a quick Rockets note. We learned today that Gerald Green broke his foot. At first, there was a report that he'd only missed a couple of months. But now the Rockets are saying he'll likely be out for the entire season. So terrible news for Gerald, who really loves playing for the Rockets. Also terrible for the Rockets because this immediately takes away some of their depth that, you know, I thought this was some of the best depth that they've had going into any season in recent history. Two off-season acquisitions, Ben McLemore and Tabo Cephalosha, will be more important than we thought. Both potentially, Stephen, could be better than Gerald Green, at least on the defensive side. And, and that's going to tell you a little bit maybe what those guys can give you uh, come playoff time, too. Well, that's true. I mean, it makes those signings look really big. And, of course, you, you're also going to have Daniel House Jr. in the mix and Austin Rivers. So there is depth there, but it, it's still it's just so sad to see that. And Gerald is probably the most popular player the Rockets have next to James Harden and Russell Westbrook. So, yeah, it was really sad to see. I, at first, when I saw it, I, I thought maybe it wasn't that bad. Maybe, you know, two or three months to be back. But then just this afternoon before we went on to record – uh, we saw that looks like it's a season-ending injury, so that's it's really sad to see. We we hope this isn't an omen of things to come for the Rockets, and 
they suddenly start getting riddled with injuries when the, before the season even starts. Yeah, I can't complain. I mean, there are other teams there. Anthony Davis is injured now. We don't know what that's going to be. Uh, Paul George is going to be out for a while for the Clippers. So, Well, his MRI came back clean as far as Anthony Davis. He's just probably going to be out the preseason. Yeah, and Kevin Durant, of course, is going to be out still for a while. So, yeah, yeah. The, Rockets, the Rockets certainly don't have the problems of some of these other teams. And Gerald Green is a loss, but I wouldn't put it up there as a as Hey, a by the way— Guys, did you see that Jalen Ramsey was? Yeah, that, that was the second note I was going to say. You know, a couple of quick Texans notes because uh, since we recorded the podcast, Bradley Roby is likely out at least three weeks with that hamstring injury. They'll miss Roby a ton this week with Texans killer T.Y. Hilton on the other side of the football. We know what he can do against Texans corners. There was some good news for Titus Howard's, Howard, sort of. We thought he'd be out for the season with the MCL, but now they're saying he'll likely play again. No word on the timetable. Uh, so kind of good news there. And, and, oh, 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 just what RG said, a, a quick uh, note on uh, Nuke Hopkins no longer having to deal with Jalen Ramsey twice a year. He goes <laughs> to the Rams for what I would call a Bill O'Brien special, guys. Two first-round picks and a fourth. Wow. That, I'll tell you, well, you know, those those defensive backs are valuable. So uh, they uh, it, it's definitely going to get him out of the AFC South. I'm going to kind of miss those exchanges between him and Hopkins though I have to tell you that it's kind of funny because the Rams a big thing in Los Angeles this year has been uh, how the Rams offensive line hasn't been doing well uh it's just not the same offensive line and that of course we see we've seen in Houston when you don't have a very good offensive line how that can affect the quarterback and Jared Goff hasn't been putting up the numbers and yet uh, they've also had some problems on defense and uh, you know this so this is like but getting uh, Jalen Ramsey uh the probably the what do you say the best cornerback or just you know like bum fellows say it doesn't take very long to call the role so i mean that's going to help out defensively but they still have problems on the offensive line they still have it but i guess that sean mcbay is probably figuring you know hey we signed jared goff this big extension you know he's been a great quarterback for us i'm you know offensive guy we can get this figured out so here let's help bring some assets for for wade phillips over on defense because that division is tough it is really tough when you look at it right now. The 49ers are undefeated with Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, you have up in Seattle with Russell Wilson uh, playing really well this year, MVP caliber ball, and even Kyler Murray down in Arizona You know, makes for some exciting time. So, yeah, they're definitely trading and t- to get the guy that, you know, that can help them out defensively. Yeah, I mean, I just find it interesting that the Rams would trade two first-round picks. I mean, you give Bill O'Brien all the crap that you want, but he traded his two first-round picks and – Felt like his team was going to be uh, an above 500 team in a weak division. They weren't going to be bad first round picks. And right now he's looking pretty good as far as that is concerned over the next couple of years, whether you like it or not. But the Rams are in a division with two teams right now that could be better than that. Jared Goff, you said, is struggling. This is a team that could, you know, really fall. The NFC is difficult all the way through. I mean, they've got depth. The AFC doesn't. That's the difference. Well, I'll say this. What was the big reason why when Bill O'Brien, and maybe you guys can chime in on this, when he traded for uh, Laramie Tunsil, he said, basically, this guy can be our left tackle for the next 10 years. I mean, you get Jalen Ramsey right now. I mean, he's still a young guy. I mean, he was just drafted a few years ago. You can have him for the next eight to 10 years. Sign him to a contract, you know, lockdown, be a lockdown corner. And you know that 
just the way that that division is and that you need to have a tight defense. And if you can have a, you need to have shutdown corners. And as long as you have Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey on defenses, you don't think that deep, you know, offensive coordinators are going to be losing sleep over that. So that's what the Rams thought. And this is still in the Rams, you know, it's still a very winnable division. I know that 49ers have gotten off to a, a great start in Seattle. Uh, but I mean, uh, the Rams were in the Super Bowl last year. They, again, they, they played really well under Sean McVay. So they're looking at this like not only for this year, but also future years. Well, I think that the, 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 the uh, Rams, I think they look at getting a shutdown corner the same way the Texans exactly. looked at getting a left tackle. It's, it's just it had to be done. You had to probably overpay for it. And I, I think I, I saw a tweet somewhere. I can't remember who it was from. But they said, well, if, unless Jalen Ramsey is going to play running back, I don't see how this makes sense for the Rams to give up two number ones. And RG, they've given up a lot of picks. That's one of the issues that's different. And the other issue that's different is Deshaun Watson looks like he is better than Jared Goff. And that's the the deal with that that trade is those first round picks picks could be very high, whereas the Laramie Tunsil first round picks could be very low. Well, I mean, there's still a lot of season to play out there. And hey, I wasn't I the guy defending uh, Deshaun Watson and telling you, and you were like, oh, well, no, after that, because it was after that Jacksonville game or whatever, I, I forget, but or, or the Carolina game. And I just said, just wait, just wait. And and again, I mean, Deshaun's been uh, been fantastic. But let's not forget that Jared Goff under Sean McVay's also been really good. It's been their offensive line where they've had problems this year. Some real inconsistency there, giving up a lot more sacks. So, and yeah, Todd Gurley, the running game, it hadn't been, you know, what they thought it would be. So, I, but I just think that, you know, it's still too early in the season. I mean, the Rams have enough talent where they can reel off victories. I still think that they're thinking over the long term, even trading these multiple picks, that they're going to be picking in the lower half of the first round, just like the Texans. And they addressed a need. Uh, you know, they get, they're getting somebody they know, you know, with Jalen Ramsey, who's, again, one of the, the best shutdown corners in his prime over the next few years to go along with Aaron Donald, you know? So, I mean, who's the best interior lineman in the NFL? Uh, you know, JJ Watt, uh, right now, I mean, he, you know, it, it, it defensive MVP, of course, previously, but if you were just starting a franchise, you, you'd take Aaron Donald. So, I mean, they have two of the best players in all the NFL on defense. And so they figure, oh, we'll just, you know, piece in around that. Wade Phillips, our defensive coordinator, we've seen him in Houston. So, you know, again, that's just, I think sometimes like teams are going, I kind of like this more, don't you guys? I mean, teams in the NFL are going for it. Where in the past, it was a little bit different, you know, where there wasn't any activity at the trading deadline. That's what that's what makes the NBA a little bit more exciting now. Players move around a little bit more. So, I mean, they actually have an NFL trading deadline where, where real deals are made now. So, to me, I, I, I kind of like that, just not always relying simply on the draft. Well, it's only been a few weeks, you know, but it's only been a few weeks. But at least so far with these first six games, Bill O'Brien, as you said earlier, Robert, is looking pretty good with these picks. But it's the long haul that you have to think about, too. Over the last three weeks, Pro Football Focus graded Laramie Tunsil the highest of any NFL tackle. So that's uh, worth noting there. This is the fourth time as we go back to the Astros, they have taken a 2-1 lead in a best-of-seven series. They won each of the three previous series. 2005 LCS won it. 2007 ALCS got that one 2017 World Series yeah we know what happened there too so this is a good sign for the Astros the Coltrane 
takes care of business. We will talk to you again very soon with some more Astros post games. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.